Get Up Nation. I hope you're enjoying the Get Up Nation podcast on www.anchor.fm. As a podcast host on over 20 platforms, I really enjoy how easy it is to use Anchor, how Anchor makes everything I need available in one place for free, accessible on your smartphone or desktop computer. Go to www.anchor.fm now. In case you didn't know, Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit each episode. If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. What up, Get Up Nation? My name is Ben Biddick, the host of the Get Up Nation podcast and co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Lurong Living, Adam Greenberg. Make sure you pick up a copy of the book if you or someone you know needs to get up after being knocked down by life's challenges. Make sure you check out the podcast website at www.getupnationpodcast.com. Subscribe with your email address so you can connect with us and contribute to the nation. It's built upon serving others, gratitude for the gift of now, and intervening in pain processes to create liberation through consciousness, resilience, and perseverance. It's an honor to share this present moment with you. Comment and reply with where you are joining us. We would love to see and hear who you are, what you're doing, and what you're up against. Let's work together to overcome our challenges and live our finest lives. Episode 9 of the podcast features Carly Hauk. Carly is the founder of Living Well Awake, where she works as the senior well-being architect and executive life coach, researcher, author, and compassionate change agent with corporate organizations. Carly has been meditating for almost 20 years and believes that mindfulness is the first step toward greater well-being. She teaches on a variety of subjects related to greater happiness, health, and wisdom in work sites such as Bank of the West, LinkedIn, and with her students at Stanford University. Very curious to learn more about a book she's writing about conscious leadership as well. Carly, I am honored you've taken time to join me on the Get Up Nation podcast. Just researching your work has been a therapeutic process for me personally, and I look forward to increasing awareness in the Get Up Nation networks about you and living well awake. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. It's really lovely to be with you today. Would you be willing to share how you first experienced a fascination or focus on mindfulness in your life? Yeah, happy to. So I, like most of us, actually had some difficult things happen to me earlier on in my childhood. And I was looking for ways to self-soothe and ground and honestly looking for, like, healthy models of ways to be with stress and difficulty. And so at 17, the age of 17, I discovered yoga. And I didn't have a teacher, but I started reading books. And my, my path has very much been the student. So I'm the student first, and then I try on practices and I figure out what works for me and then I have a real knack for creating curriculum based on my own experience of what's working and then I teach it or coach on it so that that's kind of been my path but it it started with yoga and then shortly after I was turned on to his holiness the Dalai Lama I was kind of in awe of him for a while and then read the book the art of happiness and I was just hooked and thought, okay, whatever he's doing, I'm going to follow it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really where it started. So when I was 19, I started a meditation practice. And again, no teacher, just, you know, reading and, and trying to soak up 
you know, what I could and then applying the practice to myself. But that's really how it started. And it has been the most amazing gem in my life. Like, I, I don't know what I would have done without it. So I'm a big believer in meditation. Why is meditation so valuable to you? There are so many things, in all honesty. So meditation is the door opener, I think, to really learning about yourself and really understanding this mind, heart, and body. And I teach professional trainings all the time to psychologists and therapists and health professionals on this relationship to the mind, heart, and body. And I think a lot of care providers and helpers don't actually know how it works. And so when we deal with something difficult, if we don't actually understand, you know, how our body works together, we're not actually going to be able to really help ourselves with tools and resources. And so for me, it was really this discovery of noticing that, for example, most of our thoughts are not true, right? And we tend to believe them as true, but this really applies to resilience. If if something difficult happens to me and I go into a victim story around it, like, oh my gosh, no one supports me or I'm never going to get help. If we start believing that story, then our behaviors will follow that. But if we can say, you know what, this is hard and I've been through hard things before and I'm going to get through this and I'm going to do what I can to get support, that's a whole different behavior sequence that will follow from that thought. So it's it's really understanding again, how to work with the mind, heart, and body. And so in my own experience, when I was just sharing this with um, with my partner the other day, it's really night and day for me when I'm meditating when I'm not. And I've had a pretty consistent practice, but I, I notice if I forget to practice in the morning and then I, you know, kind of fit it in later on in the day, there's a real palpable difference. I am the best that I can possibly be when I'm meditating. It's it's like going to the gym for my mind. And so when I'm practicing, I have greater compassion. I have greater patience. I have greater acceptance of the constant ups and downs of life. I have greater ability to lead with wisdom because I'm not in reactivity. I'm in responsiveness. I'm able to see everything coming and going and to actually then be able to pause and say, what's needed right now? How do I show up right now? And so there's there's multiple benefits, but I think, you know, for me, it just, it really helps me to have the intentionality and the confidence and ultimately the power that I want to have for my life and for the things that really matter to me. Will you share with us some of your insights into the relationship between mindfulness and well-being? Yeah, definitely. So mindfulness, again, I kind of think of as the very first step. It's it's the foundation. And so when you think about the opposite of well-being, the opposite of well-being is disease, right? And when you even kind of break those two words apart, dis-ease. So it's, it's this dis-ease in what's happening right now or dis-ease in the body or dis-ease, let's say, in the relationship, you know, that you're in. And so when we can pause, which is, you know, mindfulness is, the definition of it is paying attention in the present moment without judgment. And the way that we become more mindful is through the practice of meditation. 
And meditation is not about clearing the mind. It's about really allowing yourself to sit and see all the thoughts and feelings that are coming and going while retaining focus of being fully here in the present moment. It's not an easy thing to do. And because we have so many thoughts, we have on average about 72,000 thoughts a day, it requires a lot of practice. And that ability to really be here allows us to notice the actions and the behaviors that are increasing our well-being or are taking away our well-being, right? So the opposite of mindfulness is automaticity. And you can think of that when we think of patterns. You know, for example, let's say at the end of the day, you've had a really stressful day, and you've kind of gotten to this unhealthy pattern of eating cookies (laughs) at the end of the day because you want a reward and you want to just blow off some stress. And when we eat cookies, they actually secrete serotonin and dopamine, which actually is physiologically soothing to the body. So what um, can happen over time is that we're not even thinking about these cookies. We're just reaching for them, and it becomes this unhealthy habit. And over time, maybe that, you know, ends up being 10 pounds of weight gain. The reason that I'm sharing that example is that mindfulness and well-being are intrinsically linked in that when we are able to pause and slow down, we actually give ourselves the choice to make a healthy choice versus an unconscious choice. And I would say that a lot of our unhealthy behaviors, a lot of our unhealthy choices, we're doing pretty automatically. We're not doing with a lot of consciousness, with a lot of awareness. Um, another word for that would be mindfulness. And you and you can apply that to so many different things. You know, you can apply well-being to how you show up in relationship. Like, let's say that you have this interaction with a boss or a family member, or maybe it's your partner, and there's this pattern, right? Like, he does this, you do this, or she does this, you do this. And it's not really very conscious, but it's not actually adding to the well-being of your relationship. So if you have the ability to just pause, just breathe, and actually start to calm down your nervous system, because when we feel stressed, when we feel that there is threat, we often go into our fight, flight, or freeze. This is when our sympathetic nervous system comes online. And it's very primitive. It's a very old part of ourselves. Um, it, it's it's the you know oldest part of the brain, but it is what gets activated first. But if we can actually breathe deeply, like that small action of just breathing deeply in and out through the belly, that calms down our nervous system. So we can actually start to notice, oh, you know what? The, the feelings of anger are here, or the feelings of fear are here, or the feelings of frustration. And you know what? I'm not going to act on it right now. I'm just going to look at it. I'm just going to see it for what it is. And if I can actually just be with it, it's going to pass. It's going to pass, and then I can decide how do I want to show up in this moment. But we don't want to go into reactivity because that actually is the opposite of supporting our well-being. We want to actually be able to ask the question first. What is needed right now that would support me best or that would – support this person best, you know, or support my company best, you know. So that small little pause, that mindful moment, helps us to increase our well-being. I know, isn't it? 
pretty cool. You know, Ben, I know we had talked about this before our interview, but I always love to give people a taste of the practice of mindfulness, whether or not they've had it or not, because, you know, it's one thing to hear me talk about it. It's another to actually experience it. Would you be willing to let me go into that right now? Yeah, that would be great. Okay, great. So for those of you that are listening, just go ahead and find a comfortable position to sit in. And if you're, you know, on your computer, just kind of step away from it. Or if you're on your phone, just put it in hands-free mode. And just start to begin to notice where your feet are making contact with the floor and where your body is making contact with your chair. And let's take three cleansing in-breaths and out-breaths together. This is just a way to let go of what we were just doing and thinking about and coming into the present moment. So breathing in deeply through the nose and exhaling out through the mouth. And again, breathing in and out. And one more time as you breathe in, taking in all of the tension, all of the tightness, and as you exhale, just letting it all go. And you can actually do as many of those as you need. And it's a wonderful practice to do even just throughout the day when you notice you're not breathing, right, or you're holding on to something, and you just allow the body to let it go, breathing in, breathing out. So now start to bring your attention towards your breath. See if you can slow down the rhythm of your breath as you breathe in and as you breathe out. And if it feels comfortable for you, you can close your eyes. And if that doesn't feel comfortable, you can always just kind of shift your gaze downward towards the floor. And the whole purpose of closing the eyes or averting your gaze towards the floor is that it helps you to plug into yourself. It's this opportunity to really turn towards yourself versus turning outwards, which we tend to be very focused on with all of our screen time and information. So this is a plugging into you right now. So as you breathe in and as you breathe out, just start to invite a slowness, a calmness. And one way to do that is to place one hand on your lower belly. So as you breathe in, you feel the stomach rise. And as you breathe out, you feel the stomach fall. Breathing in, Breathing out. And just letting everything go. Knowing that this is the most important thing that you could be doing right now. Just breathing, just being here. And as you continue to breathe in and breathe out, just really allowing the body to relax as well. So you might do a scan from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet and just starting to release and relax all parts of the body. You may not have been aware that you were holding tension in the shoulders or the upper back or neck or that maybe you were holding some tightness in the belly. Just really letting your body know that it's safe, it's protected. It can let go right now.
And if the mind has wandered to thought, that's what the mind does. You're not doing this wrong. But what you can start to pay attention to is to see how you could actually anchor your attention to the present moment. And there's three anchors that you can use. One is the breath. So if you notice the mind wandering, come back to the breath. In, out, in, out. You can also go to another anchor, which is the body. Where is my body making contact with the floor? Where are my hands making contact with my legs? And lastly, another anchor is sound. If the mind is distracted, you can notice the sound. And even when we're sitting in the most quiet space, there's still a sound. So just notice which anchor do you feel drawn to and see if you can practice coming back to that. So we'll just sit together for a minute or two, just practicing. So again, if the mind has wandered, just come back to be here. And then just simply asking yourself this question, how can I best support myself today? How can I best support myself today? Maybe it's a loving and kind thought. I am enough or I'm doing the best that I can or people want to support me. I accept their support. And notice what behaviors you might engage in that are really supporting you. So what would you do in your behavior today that would be really supportive? Maybe it's getting more sleep. Maybe it's surrounding yourself with supportive, positive people. Maybe it's saying no. And just notice what arises. This is your inner wisdom, and it's really important to listen to. So just receiving all of that wisdom. And then for our last minute, we'll just close with some gratitude practice. 
So again, coming back into the body and the breath, breathing in, breathing out. And start to reflect on the things that you feel grateful for. Maybe it's your health, your home, your friends, your family, whatever arises in the mind. Just allow yourself to receive it one by one in the mind, in the heart, in the body. And begin. And then starting to bring your attention back to the breath, the body. You might wiggle fingers and toes. And then when you feel ready, you can open your eyes and come back. And just take your time before you transition into your next thing. So, Ben, when you're ready, I feel curious how that was for you, what you experienced. I I love this process, and what really came through for me is how much I am, how much gratitude I have for young men and women who volunteer to serve. Um, their communities, their world, that I think of young people and they're full of idealism and they're full of life and they are full of their dreams and they go out and they go out and they try to do something selfless. They try to reach out to others. And this is, this process is just a phenomenal way uh, for people who have that type of especially young people or, or those who dedicate their entire life to a life of service, whether it's um, in a nonprofit organization, whether it's uh, the military, whether it's a first responder, police, paramedic, EMT, you know, emergency room physician, medical personnel, mental health people. I think of all these, this energy and this intelligence and how I, and how grateful I am for that and how much I want those people to have the ability to self-care so that they can sustain their goodness throughout their entire experience here. Um, there are, I think, a lot of, you know, as we have discussed before, veterans today, 22 veterans take their own lives every day. Um, there is so much contention and animosity involving police, involving politics, law, lawmaking, um, and so much contention. And I, it would grieve me, and it grieves me whenever there's a situation where 
those young, idealistic, selfless, dreaming people who are dreaming of creating an amazing world uh, are frustrated by inefficient systems, um, abuses, uh, violence, uh, you know, harassment, these awful things where we don't treat each other well. And my gratitude for that energy is of people who do this and my gratitude for those that I've served with in various capacities um, and the gratitude that then channels that. And I just look for it. I kind of think of it as a, you know, a dam bursting or, or all these blockages going away as we learn how to care for ourselves while we care for others and do it in a way that's conscious and empathetic and aware to a point where we can achieve these great things without hubris, um, that we forfeit all of our, you know, illusions of, of, of things that are not true and where we shed our anxieties, where we overcome depression, where we band together, see the miracle of each person that we encounter and overcome all these differences and barriers that are truly unnecessary. That's where you took me today, and that's um, mm-hmm. and I hope that that is something that we as a nation can can do in our work. And we're America, so work is our big deal, <laughs> and and we're so focused on our work. And so I just kind of lead this into your book about conscious leadership. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, so I've had my business for eight years, Living Well Awake, and I started working with companies. My first client was a law firm, actually, and I was teaching mindfulness to stressed-out lawyers, which felt very much within my wheelbox because my dad was a lawyer. And I then, you know, went on to help lots of other companies like LinkedIn and Pixar, and I've been working a lot with Bank of the West in the last two and a half years, and feel really privileged to be able to come in and help workplaces really transform their culture so that it can be more healthy and compassionate and ultimately creative and innovative. And the reason that I'm so inspired to focus on conscious leadership is that I really feel like it's what our world needs now. And I think as we're seeing in government, and I don't want to get super political here, but I I think for a long time we've maybe relied a little bit more on government to lead the way in greater consciousness and looking towards solutions for the greater good. And I, I don't think that we can just rely on that. I, I really think that the ultimate power right now is in the hands of business. And I really want to inspire leaders and businesses to be a lot more conscious in how they're desiring to make profit. I don't think that we have to exclude really creating products and companies that are very much in alignment with supporting the greater good and, more importantly, our planet as um, in exclusion of making a profit. I think that there's so many opportunities to do both. And there's companies like Patagonia that's out there that has really created this beautiful, sustainable product, and they're giving back to the world. And there's there's so many others out there that are focusing on conscious capitalism, but we need more than that. 
And we have some really big problems in our world right now. You know, there's there's a huge um, refugee crisis happening. We are really running out of time in order to get off of fossil fuels and to be able to save the planet and save ourselves. You know, we have about a 10 or 15 year window here. It's not a lot of time. And so we can't continue to do business as usual. It's just not going to work. We're, we're, we're going to run out of time. And so this is a real time, I think, for all of us to actually be in service to one another and to take really strong action that's aligned with what really matters. And um, that's really why I'm inspired to write this book. And I've been working with leaders for many years. So the book is this opportunity to teach leaders from the inside out how to be more conscious through skills like compassion and mindfulness and emotional intelligence and resilience so that they can actually bring it out into the world, into their companies, inspiring change that is aimed at the greater good. As organizations seek to meet a demand in the marketplace and sustain profitability, what role does consciousness and mindfulness play in the interactions between people internal and external to the organization? I could teach on this for hours and hours and hours. You know, there there are these practices I've been speaking to. So mindfulness, right? Like, how do I want to show up right now? What's really important to me? Do I want to greet the situation with reactivity or do I want to greet it with love and wisdom? It's really just that simple. I mean, in a nutshell, is that we keep coming back to what really matters. And there, there is a ripple effect. When you start to act differently, you do impact those around you. And then, you know, there, all of these tools and skills can be learned. So we are naturally compassionate. We are naturally wise. We are naturally resilient. But sometimes we forget. So there are certain practices that you can be doing to really build those those muscles, if you will, and get stronger. And I think when you start to develop that from the inside, it shows on the outside. And then if you have a whole company, like, for example, Bank of the West, been working with them for two and a half years, their culture is changed because of these practices. I, you know, I, I teach classes that are nine weeks, ten weeks long, and then there's all these sustainability components. And, I, I mean, people will come to me after three weeks of a class and they say, Carly, this course has changed my life, you know, and they see how it impacts how they interact at work, how they interact at home, how they relate to themselves. So this stuff works. <laughs> Absolutely. You have to make you have to make a commitment to practice. And mm -hmm. so we're you know, the reason that we're where we are in the world right now is we've been practicing the things that actually don't support wholesomeness and greater good. We've been practicing greed and hatred and delusion. And we need to be practicing more wisdom and love and generosity. You know, that's that's the way. Carly, I know that uh, you're, you have others that you need to serve today, so I don't want to take up too much of your time here, but it has been an absolute pleasure to talk with you and really value and respect what you are creating and giving. I usually end the show with six quick-fire questions. Do you mind if I ran through those with you quick before we close? Not at all. And I, I also just wanted to offer a resource, too, to your listeners. So I have a newsletter list that I, I'm writing to biweekly, and 
there's a lot of free tips and tools, and I also am interviewing leaders right now. So I am doing a video a month of a different conscious leader and kind of talking to them about tools and practices, and all of this is free. And if you go to mindfullivingbook.com, um, that's just, you know, mindful with one L and then living with one L, book.com. You'll actually get a Mindful Living workbook. It's a free workbook. It's six practices based on some of the stuff we've been talking about that you can start using right away. And then you'll be subscribed to my newsletter list where you'll get lots of goodies and gifts and hopefully resources that will support you to flourish. So just just leaving that there, and um, I'd be happy to do your questions. Let's okay. go. Okay. All right. Here we go. Who are you thankful for today? I am thankful for my friends and my colleagues and my family and all of the wonderful organizations that I get to serve and support. And what are you thankful for today? In this moment right now, I am I'm thankful for this opportunity to get to share what I love most with your audience. And how do you personally fuel the fire within you? I really try to treat my body as my temple. So really staying clear of toxins of the mind, of the body, of the heart, and just keeping these practices really strong because they help me stay in touch with what really matters to me. What was one thing adversity taught you to value? That it's okay to ask for support. It's, it's actually it's actually required in order to be really resilient. Like it's okay to say, hey, you know what? This is really hard and I'm struggling and I need your help. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. What are you doing today you never thought you could? I am writing a freaking book. <laughs> <laughs> and I got asked to write it, you know? Great. I, I never thought I was going to be writing a book. And I I mean, my life is such a beautiful blessing. I never thought I'd be teaching at Stanford or getting to do the work that I'm doing. But that's kind of what happens when you're really aligned with your purpose. So, yeah, that's, that's something that I'm doing that I had never thought I was going to be doing. And my final question, what will you do tomorrow that you never thought you could? I think I will likely probably live abroad somewhere and be really supporting an organization or a cause that really matters to me, and I'm not sure what that is yet. <laughs> great, great. Well, Carly, it has been amazing. Again, I just want to thank you for your time and for giving the gift of what you gave us here today. And if our listeners want to learn more about you, I know you kind of gave that earlier, but what are the websites and how can they reach you? Yeah, if you want to get a free workbook and be on my newsletter list, you can go to mindfullivingbook.com. And then if you want to check out my website and all the services and programs that I offer, it's livingwellawake.com. Get up, nation. Let's not miss the miracle inside the adversity that comes our way in this life. It might just be the window into something greater than we've ever known. We may even grow to be thankful for it. Thank you, Carly. We look forward to experiencing the world you are helping create.